Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Oh, don't even know how to start. I don't know that. So, welcome to Student Ministry. Matters. Yeah, something like that. All right, welcome to the show. <laughs> All right, here we go. Welcome to another edition of Student Ministry Matters. My name is Dan Carson, and I'm one of the hosts of this crazy thing we're doing. With me, I have Micah Powell. Heyo. What's and up, Chris Vines. Hey, yo. Nice, <laughs> nice. Well, we want to thank you for joining us as we continue the conversation about student ministry. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about a subject that I get asked about a lot. How do I grow my youth group? Honestly, it's a tough subject, but one that definitely deserves our attention. But before we get to that, I want to talk for a minute about how you can support this ministry. Our goal is to support all types of student ministry workers in the Lord's Church. You may be full-time, part-time, bivocation, or volunteer, um, but that rarely changes your desire to impact those students with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. So to fulfill our mission, we could use your help. And of course, we want you to be praying for us, uh, but we could also use your help financially. We have a patron program that's available at patron.podbean.com slash student ministry matters, and you can find that in our show notes, but you also have the ability to give through your local church and then have them send a donation our way. And we'll have that address in our show notes as well. You know, your donations will help us continue this podcast as well as provide resources uh, for student ministry workers. If you have any questions, you can contact us at info at studentministrymatters.com. Now, the other way to support us is to simply share this podcast with your friends and others in student ministry you know, the old like and subscribe. That helps all of us here. Well, enough of that. Let's get to the this week's random question of the week. And I haven't asked the guys before or told them what was coming, so they may have to take a moment, so I'll start us off. But what was your dream job before God said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men? We all had dreams. Now, you may have been a little guy. You may have been thinking about ministry for many years. Uh, but for me, I dreamed from the ninth grade until God called me into ministry halfway through my senior year, I dreamed of being a photojournalist. I wanted to take pictures for National Geographic and uh, go to jungles and far off places. But you know, the simple truth is I hate bugs. So I don't know how I was going to handle the jungles, but I love taking pictures. In fact, I still take pictures at weddings of families, you know, wide range of things. And uh, so it is just one of those things. Photojournalism was, was my key. It was the thing I loved in high school. And I was a musician, but if I wasn't in the band room, I was over in my uh, dark room working on stuff because back then, film, negatives, prints, that whole thing. And so way back in the dark ages. Uh, Chris, how about you? What was your dream job before God called you into ministry? I wanted to be an NBA star. Yeah. <laughs> every, every day, every day I would go home and I'd watch this old feature family film called Pistol Pete. 
nice. the pistol, the pistol. And I would, I would dream of being as good as Pete, uh, as pistol Pete Maravich. And then I'd go outside and I'd play and then I'd realize that there was no hope. So, so was you like your, you know, pseudonym name? Was it pea shooter? Chris, is that like, no, <laughs> no, oh. no, never got that far. Just, just Chris. Just Chris. And, uh, yeah. So that was my dream. Either that or I wanted to be a sailor. So it wasn't – so then the name was probably Miss Chris. Is that probably what it was in basketball? Miss Chris. Or, or no. Oh, is that offensive? Well, I don't know. I was confused. A lot of people yelled Brick House. So. <laughs> it's a great song. Yeah, so I thought that was a cool nickname. They called me Brick. How about you, Micah? Did you have a dream job? I'm just trying to. I'm trying not to say all the jokes. I know that was just one after another. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like skipping a rock on a pond for me. It's just like wide open spaces. Um, <laughs> uh, and just being out there on the sea and just skipping a rock, I can just do it forever. Um, man, that one's tough. So when I was like eight years old, my mom was like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I was like, "A missionary." And my mom and dad were like, "Yeah, we probably need to get you in some classes." Dude, that's like other kids are like. You know, I want to be a marine biologist. Or I want to be a firefighter, and I'm like, oh, I want to be a missionary. Anyways, when, so when I like teenage years, I I wanted to be in like a band, like and like travel with music and and sing. And at the time, it was like heavy, not heavy metal, but like alternative rock. So like Goo Goo Dolls or Counting Crows or Sister Hazel, that kind of stuff. You know, horrible music. Um, I love that music. So I was like always enjoying, kind of always kind of looking for a full band to play with and stuff. And so that, that was like just to sing on stage and like just rock it out. That was probably my, my nice. main dream. You know, I think that if you, you step around, you know, seminary where you're at or uh, back when we were in, in Bible college, you'd find guys wanting to do all sorts of things. And, and it's always, well, the God called me out of that or God called me to this. How, how old were you guys when God called you into ministry? Chris, how old were you? I was 15. 15. Micah? I was 16. You were 16. Wow. I was like an old man at 19. And so, uh, but, you know, it, it, God changes our dreams. And um, my, his desires became my desires. And, you know, and I still get to play around and be photographer. Uh, but it's, it's different. I don't find any long-term love in that. I find, I find it in uh, what God has me doing right now. And so, well, tonight's question is, it's a big one. It's one that, like I said, I get asked a lot in my role as the director for the BMA of Arkansas Youth Department as people come and say, hey, how do I grow my youth ministry? Now, it's not the question of how do I start one. That's a conversation for another night. Um, which we will probably address, but how do we grow the one we're at? Now, I have been in all sorts of different venues, uh, small churches, medium-sized churches. Now, I haven't been in the large churches, at least where I was the main guy. And so, you know, I've, I've struggled with this, but I think about my current setting. I went in, I brought my two, my two teenagers at the point, that point. Uh, we went we more than doubled our size because they had one youth group age person. And then all of a sudden it became three. 
<laughs> and so that was, that was the start and it's been really slow growth where I'm at. Um, and, and COVID has not helped at all. And so I know that a lot of us and a lot of you listening are probably dealing with that same thing that COVID is kind of kicking our tail with numbers. Uh, but we still, there are some principles, there's some things that we can put in place and be thinking about as we go forward um, where we can actually grow in number because those numbers represent people. That's the one thing I want us to, to focus in on is that it's not just big for big sake. It's not just so we can brag and say we have the best youth group around, uh, but it is because every single one of those people represent represent a soul, the represent a person. And so I just want to encourage you guys as we, we go forward in this conversation tonight, think about that, that if you are reaching one student, that's one student that you're making an impact on. If you have three, 10, 20, you know, God calls us to, to go out and make disciples and to, to see growth. And so that's why we're focusing in on numbers tonight. I want us to start with some of the things that, that Chris is bringing to the table. He's got three things that we're going to share and talk about, and then we'll move on to Micah, and then I'll have a few things to wrap up. But uh, Chris, why don't you share some of the things that, that we were talking about? Okay. Well, first off, uh, everyone out there in podcast land needs to know that I am not speaking from an expert uh, or as an expert on this subject. Um, but these are some thoughts that, that I've had uh, just on this particular subject. I think it's important first when we just think about numerical growth to, to first just understand your context. Um, and I probably need to explain that a little bit. We, we all have, I say we all, but I would assume that most of us, I know us here in this podcast now, we've, we've come to churches that are already pre-existing, right? We're not, we haven't gone and started our own church um, and planted our own church and started a youth group from the ground up we've we've walked into something that was already existing my church that i'm at is almost 105 years old uh, the youth ministry hasn't always been there for 105 years but they've had a youth ministry for a long time and it's seen a lot of ups and downs i know uh, i've have i have parents in uh, of kids in my youth group right now who were in the youth group back in the late 80s, early 90s, um, maybe maybe late 90s would be a better place. But it was, you know, they were running anywhere from 80 to 100 kids, you know, every every Wednesday night. And uh, they had a certain model of, of youth ministry that was rocking and rolling then. Um, and, and it's not that way today. Uh, and it's gone through several different youth pastors and different things like that. But also, just when I say know your context, understand – where you are in your community. Uh, and, and I think that allows you to have right expectations, not to say that we shouldn't expect to grow, but to understand that, that students, you know, very practically speaking, and you guys correct me if, if you, if your experience has been wrong, uh, different on this, kids are going to go where their parents go or where those who are in charge of them go to church or don't go to church. Right. Uh, some of, some of us are, are living in a community where our church may be the quote-unquote go-to church in that community. And as a result, youth group tends to be a little bit larger because maybe your church is that go-to church. It's more established. That's your context. Uh, maybe you're in a, in, a, in a place, in a community where you're one of 10 churches and 
um, and families and kids are just all spread out amongst all those churches. You know, I, I don't know, but I think it's important just to recognize and know your context. And that allows you to, I believe, be very strategic in how you go about reaching your community. Because what we don't want is just to be trading kids from youth group to youth group. We certainly don't want to be stealing kids from another youth group. But I will add this, that if, if a church is not teaching scripture, if they're not uh, holding to healthy, sound doctrine, then I have no problem stealing a kid from that youth group. Um, but, nice. you know, that's just, that's, that's my opinion there. All right. And then well, the other thing is, oh, go ahead. Go ahead yeah, Dan. before you go on, uh, the one thing I want to point out is I think about my own context. I'm at Calvary Baptist Church in Fayetteville. You know, it's a big community. It is, there's a lot of people there. Well, two miles from our church is Cross Church Fayetteville. It's enormous. There's mm-hmm. no way I can compete with some of the activities and some of the things that happen there. And so I have to know from my context that I have to be different. Mm-hmm. And so I have to know that it's, it's going to look different. One of my students said the other day that, you know, and she's the type of girl that I fully expected to, to latch on to a, a church like that or First Baptist Church Farmington. But what she said was that, no, I'm being taught the Bible here. And so that's so important, but starting with knowing your context. So I just wanted to add that in. Uh, again, I think it comes down to that. Knowing your context allows you to have better expectations uh, moving forward. Again, that it's hard to talk about that because we're, we're churches are in all different sorts of contexts, you know? Right. So when we talk about numerical growth, we have to take that into account. I believe I don't, uh, this next one, I'm going to say a word that we all do, but I think in our, our, the, the culture of youth ministry that, that we are particularly in a lot of times the, the word event can come across as a, as a dirty word for some reason. <laughs> um, I, I think it's because we don't want to be labeled as quote unquote event driven, right. um, where, where we're no longer youth pastors or youth workers, but we are just event coordinators. So, so I think we, we don't want to talk in those lines, but I do believe that it's important for us to, to plan and host events um, but I believe we need to do so with a purpose. So yeah. the second one is when talking about numerical growth, strategically plan and host events with a particular purpose in mind. Uh, so I'll give you, for instance, for us, I try to, I, it doesn't always work out this way, especially in years where there's COVID-19. Um, but <laughs> I try to plan a, an event, an outreach event once per quarter. That might be a, a Nerf night, you know, where we, we just, my kids who, are, who love to shoot Nerf guns at each other and all that kind of stuff, they want to invite friends and we just have this big Nerf war and it's strategic because we're, we're, we're trying to go after kids who aren't already plugged into a youth group and helping them come and just be a part of, of our community for one night and then to help, hopefully help them get transitioned into what we do on a normal basis, you know. And, and so that's, that's the, the purpose behind it with also the express purpose of, you know, it just feels good to pop a kid with a Nerf dart every now and then. Amen. Yeah. yeah. That's in the Bible. It is. <laughs> it is. So, yeah, I, I think it's good to host events and strategic events with, with a purpose, you know, um, I don't know. And let me ask you, let me stop here and, and stop saying so many words, but what do you guys think about that? Has that been your experience? I mean, do you agree with that or has there been 
I don't know. What do you What do you think about that? I think that I mean, it's it should be, it should challenge you. Like events, you should do something that can help bring people together. And so, like, I don't. I don't the the if we stay away from the word event, just you know, doing something that helps the kid, uh, the kids find a safe space, a comfortable space for each personality to um, find that community, find the way that they plug into the cog in the wheel, um, and just kind of figure a way a way for them to make them feel at home, welcomed. And even like visitors, your upcoming seventh graders, um, something I was kind of thinking of when you were talking about doing events. We had once upon a time, like a, you know, a, not a graduation service, um, but just w- when they came in, it was like this, just this unspoken thing where they just kind of joined the group. And so we, I don't know, I felt like it was really helpful to implement, have something that helped implement people to like our normal Wednesday night function. So if they say that they went from one week to the next and we had some new seventh graders come up and, you know, we, we would do like a, a mingle before we'd begin our worship. So I'd take like one or two songs out of uh, our, our um, service and just kind of let them uh, provide a little bit of food or something and just kind of let them, uh, I'd get like a nerf ball and, you know, get in the middle of the students, just kind of throw the ball to a senior and, and kind of say, Hey, yeah, you know, tell us your name, you know, something we don't know about you and just kind of do that for five or 10 minutes. And then I uh, kind of get them and then like on purpose, have them throw it to, to one of the seventh graders and just kind of get people talking. And then also we had a, I think I led first month in August and, and then in September that first month there and from school beginning about four weeks after that, I led like an orientation class for those seventh graders. That was like, here's kind of how we function. Like you're in our small group on Wednesday night and I'm going to be teaching it. Um, just kind of want to show you guys how it'll work, what it'll look like. We do separate, you know, genders and we do separate kind of this around this age group and so once you guys know what to kind of go into so when you go into these classes that you know you're going in uh, functioning as a student still you know reading the bible uh, doing some uh, personal bible study uh, from the previous week and bringing your struggles to your uh, small group leader and then uh, and when if you need full response and some help counseling and just kind of an implementation where we're able to implement them well in the service. Uh, another thing I think it was helpful was outside of just a general events was like community driven focus. Like, and I don't want to make it seem, and I'm not an expert, but this, this was really helpful. I, I've read John MacArthur and I've said it before. If I worry about the depth in my Bible study of knowing Christ and in my preaching, then it would always, then I would like Christ worry about the breadth, worry about the numbers. And so in, in scripture, what I found was, man, people were just around each other. Like the people in Acts were just often hanging out, out in the community, taking the gospel to, to people. And so taking the community, taking your community or, you know, your, your student ministry out of the community for like a, you know, I hate this term, but like a backyard barbecue or a park or something that's like out in the community where people can see you, uh, where there's other students or there's other seventh graders or there's other kids or other families. And for them to see the name of the church, you know, or even just like if they ask questions like, hey, come play basketball with us, you know, like, oh, well, who are you with? And, and just, I don't know, those are great evangelistic ways to yeah. uh, to help grow um, our student ministry. And it may not have been hundreds of people, but by far the, the number one gr- growing tool that I've seen in my ministry was just faithful preaching, trying to preach as best I could, giving them something from the Bible, from God, uh, give them good interpretation um, of what that text says and how that informs their life. Uh, and, then, and then how to study the Bible from that Wednesday to the next. And then I tell you, like, I don't know, it wasn't personality as much as it is just opening God's word and, and loving God's word that the students, it took, they took to it. So those are just kind of some things I, I feel like that were really helpful in my ministry to grow student ministries. Um, and, I'm no, and I'm no expert at all either, but just those are just all really helpful things for me. You know, Micah, I, there were several suggestions that I heard in there that I think are valuable. Getting out in the community, you know, taking your 
your group out for a study at the park, you know, just being out and being seen and being visible. You know, that, this whole idea of that Chris was sharing about hosting events with a purpose, I think that just brings about this idea of being intentional with everything that we do, um, especially when it comes to, you know, we're going to have a lock-in. Well, why are we having a lock-in? Or why are we having a Nerf night or Jungle Pong night? Those, those crazy events are great entry points for students to come and see, hey, these adults aren't just sourpusses all the time. They are, they care about us. They can have a good time. They can be involved with students, be relational. So a lot of, a lot of neat things there. Chris, I think you had one more thing you were going to share. I did. I actually have two, but the other one's really okay. quick. No, I, I believe it's important that we focus on families um, and that we, we, we connect with families. You know, I, I totally get, and this goes back to, I believe, our, the, the first one I mentioned, the context. We're, we're always going to be coming in contact and having relationships with, uh, with kids who come from all different sorts of backgrounds. Some are going to have very stable, traditional family structures where the mom and the dad are doing an excellent job of discipling within the home. And, uh, but then there's going to always be others who... Um, who are on the other side of the spectrum that, that don't have mom and dad in the home that maybe even don't even know mom or dad or, you know, there's, so there's variations to that. And so you need to, to take a more primary role in that discipling process. And, and I know I'm dipping into the, the spiritual growth there, but I, I believe it's just important that as we, as we focus on families and as we focus on equipping families to, to disciple their, their kids, that other families in the community, if we do that well and we do that faithfully and we do that consistently, that I believe that that's a, that's a long-term numerical growth strategy. I think a lot of times when we think about numerical growth, we think of it in terms in the short term and not so much in the long term. And, but I believe that if we, if we focus on families and we focus on really equipping families to do that well and, and, and we build our ministry with that in mind uh, of this equipping uh, style ministry, that that's going to be healthier, not just for your youth group, for, but for your church in the long run. And I believe other families in the community, again, if you do it faithfully and do it well, I think they'll take notice of that and, yeah. and notice that that's a place that they want to be a part of. And so again, there's, there's more that could be said on that, but, I think the I think my my point is across. I hope it is at least. But then the other the other thing, this last one is easy um, and quick. Is if you want to if you want to grow your youth group like numerically quickly, then have a van ministry. <laughs> Go pick kids up. I mean, honestly, that's the worst uh, advice you've ever given. Don't ever, yo, don't do this. No, I, I'm I just didn't. Kidding. I didn't say you drive it, but <laughs> hey, but but listen, you know, sometimes you don't have a choice. Hey, you know. Uh, I've, I've been in my church now, I've been in my church now for seven years and I was blessed for the first three and a half of those years to have a, uh, a guy who, who would drive the van every single week and he would bring, he would bring kids. He was always bringing kids. Um, and he was also leading another ministry in our church and I was super thankful, super thankful for him. And I tried to express that in many ways and did and, Anyway, he and his family moved and, and I tried to fill that role. I tried to find somebody to fill that role and just no one would ever stick with it. And, yeah. um, on a Wednesday, on a Wednesday afternoon, I tried to, I tried myself to, 
keep driving the van as much as I could. And, and it, and it worked for a little while until, until really, I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. I just didn't have, I, I would have kids show up and be unsupervised and, and it was just different, you know, it was just a difficult context. And so it's one of those things that personally, you know, I w- I would like to see happen again in our ministry. I don't know if 2020 is the time to start back a van ministry right now, but there's not much social distancing going on there. No, that's, that's your cup of tea. But I, I really do. I think, I think there's benefit there in, considering uh picking kids up you know and but also again that's a whole nother that's a whole nother subject that i don't want to uh delve into right now because you can do that well but you can also do that really poorly (laughs) so i say that with a with an asterisk by it that a van ministry can be really helpful for numerical growth, but it can also it can also be a dangerous thing if you're if you don't do it well. Yeah, I I kind of have mixed feelings about that, and so I think it'd be a great conversation time sometime because I we have apartment complexes all around our church. The neighborhood has changed over the years. Some of the lowest income housing in in Fayetteville is around our church. That means the fields are white under harvest. You know that that whole concept, and but being the guy to be able to go get them yourself. And, you know, if you have, have somebody who has that passion, I, you know, I'm kind of jealous of a, the, of the guy you had for those years. Cause you know, it's somebody who has a, a, a desire to serve, a desire to reach kids and reach students. That can be a, a great thing. But when it's put on you as the youth pastor or the lead student ministry worker at your church, that can just be so heavy at times. Let me, let me add a, a few things that, that when I look at growing numerically, I think there's some things, some principles that you can apply no matter what size your church is or otherwise is the first is this idea of, of doing things with excellence. Too often we just halfway do things in our churches and in our ministries uh, because, well, it's just the students or it's just the students that show up anyway because their parents are bringing them to church and they're going to be here anyway. And so I just want to encourage you to, to approach everything with excellence, whether it's your message, whether it is your musical worship, if you're having that with your students, if it's an event, whatever you're working on, I want to encourage you to, to do those things with excellence. Uh, the second thing that I would say, if you want to grow is to be relational or to put things in place that make it a possibility for students to have a great relationship with a, a good godly adult. Now that may mean that you have small group leaders that are taking care of that. Um, it may mean that you alone, if you're the, you have three students in your student ministry, well, it may be you. <laughs> However, and we've talked about this before, is I would encourage you always to have a member of the opposite sex there with you. And so you're never in a, a room alone with three girls if you're the guy youth pastor. I mean, that's just a bad story. So you need to have that, that assistant with you in it. Uh, but be relational. Connect with these students. You know, I, I think about some of the, the students that I have, I'll get texts, I'll get messages through Instagram. Uh, and there's, there's lines we have to be careful. I understand that. But when we're wanting to grow our student ministry, they need to find a place where they feel safe, they feel secure, where they feel loved. 
And that's what we want to provide in that. My third thing is very similar to, to Chris's third thing. You know, he was talking about connecting with parents. I want to say communicate with the parents, Um, whether it is parents that are inside of your church that are established and they are always going to be there and always bring their kids or with it is little Johnny who is just showed up at church one Wednesday night and he's there by himself. You need to figure out how you're going to communicate with his parents to make sure that they're informed because it can, it can make a big difference on his involvement. Will he ever go to church camp or not? Whether he'll go to a conference with the group or if you'll ever have the opportunity to see him there on a Sunday, it all comes down to how much you're going to communicate with him. And sometimes that can be difficult. Sometimes the parents don't want anything at all to do with church, but you still need to step into that and, and lean into that. So those are just a, a couple of things that I had. Micah, do you have any other suggestions, things that we would want to do as we're looking at trying to grow the numbers in our youth group? Yeah, don't do it. It's more of a headache. Just pull the ejection thing and just get out of Dodge. Just have one or two students, right? That's six is too many. Six is too many. I have one. I have two students in my household and it's already too difficult. One is two years old and the other is 30, almost 32 as of tomorrow. Uh. That's their heart. So no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, I think everything we said has been really good. Um, kind of to Chris's mentioning earlier, he talks about families. I, yeah. I, uh, kind of did the opposite where I would meet students that were like out in the community and would just like talk to them, get to know them um, because of uh, acquaintances or friends or students that I had eating lunch with. And then I would see them in the student ministry. And then as we kind of implemented some of those kids, then their families came, then I'd I'd see their families at the ball games and then their families would come to the church because they had a, we had a good student ministry, a growing student ministry uh, and a missional student ministry, like going on mission trips. I mean, that brought a lot of students because I don't know what it was about this upcoming generation. That's so awesome. But the biggest thing is their mission. They like even people that were Methodist were coming to park place at the time and were joining the student ministry. It was awesome. It was so cool. Like we had, um, of course, come people that were considered atheists, young, young men and women, as they started to come, we saw salvations and then their parents would show up. We went on a mission trip one time to Potosi, Missouri. It's a mission trip for American mission trip. And it just helped a, a pastor there uh, named Brian King, Kingston, who I, I love dearly. He's a good dude. And he's a pastor there. And he'd been there a couple, maybe a year, not, not, not a long time. And he just needed some help doing some community outreach. And so I kind of coordinated with him. <clears throat> and we went up there and spent the night in the church. Guys spent the night in church. And the girls spent the night in a house. And, and that actually brought us like four or five students that were had never even been to our church. So if you kind of winced just then, or if you kind of were like, ah, I don't know about that. It, yeah, it took, it took some trust for sure. Um, we had to do some regulations to protect everybody, but all four of those five or six students kept coming and stayed with us. And so like, I kind of actually did the opposite. Started with students' relationships. And then as they, their parents showed up, I'd have like a, uh, to kind of draw their parents in and not just in the church service, which I always want, we always wanted to do with like handouts, communication announcements, stuff like that. Um, we would have like a family night so that they could come at the beginning of the year and we'd have like food and then we'd have the parents mingle so they could see like what this kind of what the student ministry expected and 
um, some regulations and some stuff for parents to kind of have that was like protective uh, documents or forms or just kind of the itinerary for the year, that kind of stuff. And really the, mo mo the biggest part of it was to get them to meet them and to talk with them and to show them that we were trustworthy and that we cared about their kid and them just like teachers. And, uh, so, and, and really a lot, a lot of those conversations led us to see some of those people, some of those couples join the church. And that was all convictional. That, that wasn't my idea as much as it was like our job is to go and to re make disciples of all nations and to reach everybody that's around us. And so if parents came in and, or if you were in my proximity and you were a non-believer or and you were in proximity also with one of uh, our believer students or believer parents, I was going to go just try to talk to you. And it, I didn't really have a program or anything, just wanted to be among people that were lost. Um, and, and I think God really used that. And I kind of the last, last, I had a last thought earlier it comes to, to numbers. I feel like we, to talk about numbers, we also need to protect about only thinking about numbers. Like that needs to be a huge conversation, right, uh, right. but to just make it simple. Um, if all we, if, if all you're doing is trying to draw students in for numbers sake, then you will lose them to what you gained them with. So like, yeah, if you buy a bunch of pizza and, and soda and you cheap preach, you're going to lose them to the same thing. It's a moth of the flame. I mean, but if you're, if you're drawing, if you're trying to, to, to draw and, and to, to grow a student ministry with solidity and a kind of a, a steadfast, consistent growth, dense preaching, put that absolutely first, put God first, pray diligently, um, seek the Lord on your knees and on your face in your bedroom, you know, with your family and, um, if you buy pizza, awesome. But if you do that all the time, just for numbers sake, I, I do think that you'll lose them to a church that has more money and more programs and more events. And so we also need to protect from that too. That's kind of my final thought. Yeah. I, I, there's a statement that my pastors made, and I think we may have talked about it here is what you win them with is what you have to keep them with. It was just kind of the, the reverse of what you said, you know, somebody else is going to pull them away. If they were drawn to pizza and a game night, somebody else with a pizza and game night may pull them. But if they find security in God's word and find that, that relationship and some of those things that are a little bit deeper and more meaningful, then they'll keep coming back. I want to ask a question before we wrap up. One of the things that you talked about was the uh, having students go on a mission trip, which we find that Generation Z is very missional in their thinking. Um, they want to, to impact the world. They want to, to do things for the cause of Christ and just to be positive in the world as, in general. You know, I, I look at um, this 2020, holy cow. Uh, you know, I, we've taken our youth groups. I don't know what your youth group looks like now, uh, but I do know that youth groups as a whole are suffering just like churches are suffering, trying to figure out what to do next, how it's going to work. We're down in numbers. We're down in families coming back to church. Um, it, and it's, it hurts and it's painful as someone who cares for those people. But we've got to keep going. And we just got to keep doing it and keep reaching people and keep loving on people um, because it's just so important. Chris, you got any final words before we wrap up? Well, I think we've I think we've overlooked one key key component to this whole numerical growth. We need people in our churches to have have babies. Okay, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, future students, absolutely. 
I mean, yep. there is there is a and reality need- that you build your children's ministry, and that will build your student ministry. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> I mean, look, look, I'm in a, I'm in a church right now. I mean, the, the, our, my my faith family. You know, we've got fa- we've got families in there that have. Uh, <clears throat> we're about to have two families that have six kids. You know, we've we had one family that had five kids. And they moved, and I was mad at them. Still am. <laughs> we need families to have kids, and we need families to have more than one. Uh, you know, Lord willing, that kind of thing. You know, that's that only helps numerical growth. I mean, I sent like ten years ago. I sent like five emails to the Duggars to come join our church, but it just never happened. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't have needed a student ministry. I just been like, "Yep, got the Duggars. They're here. No more allowed. We can't allow any more to sit in our student ministry." So, yeah, sorry got to turn you away too much growth but it didn't happen so (laughs) one in god's providence yeah Uh, i'm i'm with you i'm with you guys i mean on a serious note i mean that that was kind of serious but i said it sarcastically um (laughs) i'll be honest uh i i don't i've never i've never personally been uh wrapped up into trying to get just a huge crowd there i've there, there's there's people out there that are listening to this right now um, who are uh, in youth groups where they they know they know how to draw a crowd and they do a great job at it and I applaud you guys y'all are doing doing an awesome job but I also know that there's people out there right now listening that are volunteer youth workers who are getting off work at five o'clock and getting to their church uh, building as quickly as they can just in hopes that somebody's going to show up. You know, and, uh, you know, and so some of the things that we've talked about just don't apply in that context. That's the kind of church that I grew up in. At the end of the day, what we've talked about in previous podcasts when it comes to discipleship and reaching families and uh, things like that and things that we've already implied in this in this podcast, that's, that's what we need to put all of our efforts on, I believe. Again, I agree everything with you say, that you said, Dan. I mean, we we don't we we want to reach people. We want to get more people in there because those those aren't just objects and seats. They are souls, you know, who have uh, that will spend eternity somewhere. And so, I think that's important for us to to realize. But at the end of the day, we are as as pastors, we are called to shepherd the flock that that's that the right. Lord that the Lord has given us. First Corinthians. I believe it's uh, chapter four, you know, Paul, he reminds us that uh, we don't need to boast about anything that we have received. Now he's speaking in a different context there, but I think it can be applied in this, in this context as well. We're in youth groups that, that we haven't, that we don't own, but that we have received from the Lord. He's the one who's brought on there and we need to be faithful with the ones that he's given us. And we need to talk, we need to talk often about, uh, reaching out to our communities with the gospel in hopes that the Lord would bring more uh, into into our midst. And so uh, I agree. I agree that this is important, but it's not something that I sit up worrying about. Yeah. And don't, don't hear in this too, guys, the do better mentality, like a lot, because I feel like a lot of us listen to these things and we go, man, that was a good, you know, it's kind of like gleaning, you know, um, a crop that has just been cut. Like, not all of it's been gathered. Some of it's left behind, and and it's 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 all good things that you can glean. But don't hear in this like do do better. 
because God doesn't want us to just, it's not all about works. It is for sure. Faith produces works, obviously. But the, like, there's so much legalism that can be caught up in that, that idea of I need to do better. I need to do, 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 do. It's like more, it's more like, like, you know, you need to be his, you need to be mm. God, you need to be found in him. And, and, and he's going to worry. He's going to let him worry about the numbers. Like as long as you're being diligent and you walk with him and, and you're, you're trying to, to follow his statutes and, and, uh, lean on God for all things. It's less about do better Christian and, and more about leaning on God, uh, for our, in, in our weakness, because we're not strong. Dan's not strong. Chris is not strong. I'm not strong. Just don't, I don't want you guys to hear that you have to like be us. You don't have to do all these five things and you'll have a healthy church. Like that's almost like name it and claim it, health and wealth, prosperity stuff. We just want you to be found in Christ. And we're just brainstorming ideas of things that we can do. Um, they're not gospel, but just to uh, try to find a heart, follow the Lord as, as his child and, and lean on him and he'll direct your path. He'll, he'll, he'll protect you and guide you where he, uh, where he wants you to be. Well, guys, I think it's time for us to wrap up tonight. I, I just want to say uh, and echo what uh, these two men have, have shared. We're not experts. We are on the same journey that you are trying to work with and influence students with the gospel. We care about you. We care about our students and we just want to do that work. Why? Because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.